Chapter Twenty Two of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. A fever attended with delirium for several days deprived Linden of consciousness, and when by Adela's care more than the skill of the physicians he was restored to life and reason, he was utterly shocked by the change in his sister's appearance. At first he fondly imagined that her health, affected by her vigils, would recover with his own. But he soon saw, with an anguish which partook of remorse, the malady was deep-seated, deep, deep beyond the reach of Asclepius and his drugs. Her imagination, little less lively than his own, was awfully impressed by the strange confessions she had heard, by the ravings of his delirium. Again and again, and he shrieked forth, "'It is there, there, by thy side, sister!' He had transferred to her fancy the spectre, and the horror that cursed himself. He perceived this not by her words, but by her silence, by the eyes that strained into space, by the shiver that came over her frame, by the start of terror, by the look that did not dare to turn behind. Bitterly he repented his confession. Bitterly he felt that between his sufferings and human sympathy there could be no gentle and holy commune. Vainly he sought to retract, to undo what he had done, to declare all was but the chimera of an overheated brain and brave and generous was this denial of himself, for, often and often, as he thus spoke, he saw the thing of dread gliding to her side, and glaring at him as he disowned its being. But what chilled him, if possible, yet more than her wasting form and trembling nerves, was the change in her love for him. A natural terror had replaced it. She turned paler if he approached. She shuddered if he took her hand divided from the rest of earth the gulf of the foul remembrance yawed now between his sister and himself he could endure no more the presence of the one whose his life had embittered he made some excuses for departure and writhed to see that they were greeted eagerly the first gleam of joy he had detected since that fatal night on adela's face he beheld when he murmured farewell he travelled for some weeks through the wildest parts of scotland scenery which makes the artist was loveless to his haggard eyes a letter recalled him to london on the wings of new agony and fear he arrived to find his sister in a condition of both mind and health which exceeded his worst apprehensions her vacant look her lifeless posture appalled him it was as one who gazed on the medusa's head and felt without a struggle the human being gradually hardened to the statue it was not frenzy it was not idiocy it was an abstraction an apathy asleep in waking only as the night advanced towards the eleventh hour in which glyndon had concluded his tale she grew visibly uneasy anxious and perturbed then her lips muttered her hands writhed she looked round with a look of unspeakable appeal for succour for protection and suddenly as the clock struck fell with a shriek to the ground cold and lifeless with difficulty and not until after the most earnest prayers did she answer the agonized questions of glyndon at last she owned that at that hour and that hour alone whenever she was placed however occupied she distinctly beheld the apparition of an old hag who after thrice knocking at the door entered the room and hobbling up to her with a countenance distorted by hideous rage and menace laid its icy fingers on her forehead from that moment she declared that the sense forsook her and when she awoke again it was only to wait, in suspense that froze up her blood, the repetition of the ghastly visitation. 
the physician who had been summoned before glyndon's return and whose letter had recalled him to london was a commonplace practitioner ignorant of the case and honestly anxious that one more experienced should be employed clarence called in one of the most eminent of the faculty and to him he recited the optical delusion of his sister the physician listened attentively and seemed sanguine in his hopes of cure he came to the house two hours before the one so dreaded by the patient he had quietly arranged that the clocks should be put forward half an hour unknown to adela and even to her brother he was a man of the most extraordinary powers of conversation of surpassing wit of all the faculties that interest and amuse he first administered to the patient a harmless potion which he pledged himself would dispel the illusion his confident tone woke her own hopes he continued to excite her attention to rouse her lethargy he jested he laughed away the time the hour struck joy my brother she exclaimed throwing herself in his arms the time has passed and then like one released from a spell she suddenly assumed her more ancient cheerfulness ah clarence she whispered forgive me for my former desertion forgive me that i feared you i shall live i shall live in my turn to banish the spectre that haunts my brother and clarence smiled and wiped the tears from his burning eyes the physician renewed his stories his jests in the midst of a stream of rich humour that seemed about to carry away both brother and sister glyndon suddenly saw over adela's face the same fearful change the same anxious look the same restless straining eye he had beheld the night before he rose he approached her adela started up look 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 she exclaimed she comes save me save me and she fell at his feet in strong convulsions as a clock falsely and in vain put forward struck the half hour the physician lifted her in his arms my worst fears are confirmed he said gravely this disease is epilepsy the next night at the same hour adela glyndon died o oh, joy joy thou art come again and this is thy hand these thy lips say that thou didst not desert me from love of another say it again say it ever and i will pardon thee all the rest so thou hast mourned for me and thou wert cruel enough to leave me gold there it is there untouched poor child of nature how then in this strange town of marseilles hast thou found bread and shelter honestly soul of my soul honestly but yet by the face thou didst once think so fair thinkest thou that now yes felide more fair than ever but what meanst thou there is a painter here a great man one of their great men at paris i know not what they call them but he rules over all here life and death and he has paid me largely but to sit for my portrait it is for a picture to be given to the nation for he paints only for glory think of thy felide's renown and the girl's white eyes sparkled her vanity was roused and he would have married me if i would divorced his wife to marry me but i waited for thee ungrateful a knock at the door was heard a man entered nico ah glyndon hmm, welcome what thou art twice my rival but john nico bears no malice virtue is my dream my country my mistress serve my country citizen and i forgive thee the preference of beauty but as the painter spoke it hymned it rolled through the streets the fiery song of the marseilles there was a crowd a multitude a people up abroad with colors and arms enthusiasm and song with song with enthusiasm with colors and arms and who could guess that that martial movement was one not of war but massacre frenchmen against frenchmen for there are two parties in marseilles and ample work for jordan coupete 
but this the englishman just arrived a stranger to all factions did not as yet comprehend he comprehended nothing but the song the enthusiasm the arms and the colors that lifted to the sun the glorious lie the dark brow of the wretched wanderer grew animated he gazed from the window on the throng that marched below beneath their waving oriflamme they shouted as they beheld the patriot nico the friend of the liberty and the relentless herbert by the stranger's side at the casement i shout again cried the painter shout for the brave englishman who abjures his pits and Coburg to be a citizen of liberty and france a thousand voices rent the air and the hymn of the marseilles rose in majesty again well if it is to be among these high hopes and this brave people that the phantom is to vanish and the cure to come muttered glyndon and he thought he felt again the elixir sparkling through his veins thou shalt be the one of the convention with the pain and clutes i will manage it all for thee cried nicot slapping him on the shoulder and paris ah if i could but see paris cried Filide in her joyous voice joyous the whole time the town the air save where unheard rose the cry of agony and the yell of murder were joy sleep unhaunting in thy grave cold adela joy joy in the jubilee of humanity all private grief should cease behold wild mariner the vast whirlpool draws thee to its stormy bosom there the individual is not all things are of the whole open thy gates fair paris for the stranger citizen receive in your ranks o meek republicans the new champion of liberty the reason of mankind mejnour is right it was in virtue in valor in glorious struggle for the human race that the spectre was to shrink to her kindred darkness and nico's shrill voice praised him and lean robespierre flambeau cologne pierre angliara de l'officier de la republique smiled ominously on him from his bloodshot eyes and felide clasped him with passionate arms to her tender breast and at his uprising and down sitting at board and in bed though he saw it not the nameless one guided him with the demon eyes to the sea whose waves were gore End of chapter twenty two recording by kirk ziggler ogden utah voiceover dash solutions dot com